Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Uh, Yeah, grab your notes and uh, we are going to carry on. We are in an important uh, series right now. We're calling a series Flourish. And we're an important initiative that runs alongside of it. And so uh, if you're here this morning and you're a guest or you're kind of new, maybe for the first time you're learning around this kind of stuff, this is going to be a really, really important talk. And I'm hoping that my goal, my responsibility this weekend is to sort of just take a moment, put the cookies on the bottom shelf and help us understand uh, how churches think about this uh, particular work. So I want to walk us through this kind of stuff. And uh, I think it's an opportunity really for us, for those of you, if you're here and you're part of our fellowship, you're part of our church, here's kind of an insider look at what we do. If you're a guest, if you're new, you get to see, I think, interestingly, how a church kind of puts uh, this sort of assignment uh, together. And I'm really, really excited about the opportunity to share it with you. Now, for those of you that know, we began the series, the Flourish series, Uh, Really, we said this, if we're going to talk about our future, let's start by talking about our past. And so we went to what I refer to as an anchor text uh, uh, passage of scripture that helps us understand the purpose of the church. And the purpose of the church, we went all the way back to Matthew chapter 16. It's the very first time that the word church is ever used in the entire Bible. And we learned there that uh, the basic idea of lesson one, message one, is simply this. The church is, the, is God's great idea in how he gets his redemptive work done on the world. So that was week one. Last week, if you were with us, We talked about uh, the importance of vision and how it's important that each of us have a vision uh, uh, to our lives. And um, I I think I shared with uh, those who are in the room and those who are online this idea, this quote that a lot of us, um, you know, will end up somewhere in life and the wise among us will end up somewhere on purpose, And so we talked about the importance of vision. I shared with you the fascinating story of Wilbur and Orville Wright and that 12-second, 120-foot flight on the Outer Banks of North Carolina that changed their life and changed the world. Uh, This afternoon, I'm going to board a a, a plane, and who would have ever thought, I wonder if they ever thought that, you know, there would be somebody like me who's going to get on a plane, and that plane's going to go 35,000 feet into the air and almost 600 miles an hour. I mean, did they ever think of that? Who knows, right? And so really, I use that as a backdrop, as a window, if you will, to just talk about the vision of our church and how, you know, really God just uh, began to do some things in my own life and called me into ministry as a pastor, and my, my whole vision on the front end was to somehow get to a church that was doing good kingdom work, and somewhere along the way, God began to build inside my own heart a passion not to just uh, be involved in a church that does good work, kingdom work, but build a church that does good kingdom work, and that vision that I had is impacting all of us in this room. And so there's a tremendous sense of respect and humility around that kind of a thing. And so once we get past 
those two initial conversations, now I think we can move into this space and we can have an important conversation, if you will, about our future as a church. And so uh, this is what we're calling flourish. And this is a conversation that at some measure, at some space, involves all of us together as we think about our work. And when I say that, not only Loxahatchee, not only online, but also over in Lake Worth, over in West Palm, over at Community of Hope Espanol. And so this is the conversation I want to have. Now, uh, what I want to do as I begin, and, and you're going to see, I think, the meaning of what we're going to as we move through this, but I want to begin this morning really just with this idea of, uh, first of all, just walking us through what are going to be the important pieces of this vision. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how we together, collectively as a church, how we will go toward this, this vision that we believe uh, God is leading us toward. And we, we trust and hope that you will think that too. So when we think about Flourish, Flourish has two, uh, four initiatives. One thing we're going to do uh, in Flourish is we hope to reduce our debt. Raise your hand this morning if you have a mortgage or have ever heard of a mortgage. Yeah, right? All of us have that ugly word, the mortgage. Uh, many of us do. And so um, the church also has a mortgage. And so um, there's a percentage of our income that goes toward, that we collect on the weekends, it goes toward paying the mortgage for this building and all the buildings that we have around this sort of, uh, at the Community of Hope campuses. Additionally, many of you all know, we made a decision last week, that was a, uh, last year that was a really important decision. And we came together as a church family and said, you know what, we're going to, um, we're going to step outside of the denominational system that birthed us and blessed us, the place where we found our beginning. And we began to sense that uh, we are, the mission and the vision of our church was different from the mission and the vision uh, of our, of the denomination we're in. We began to see some misalignment around that. And so we made a really bold decision. And for those of you that were in the room that were part of that decision, 98% of our church in that, that said yes to that. I said, now there are going to be some fees that, uh, we will incur to step out and we, and, and we're going to pay those. And I said, and then I'm going to come back to you in a year from now and I'm going to talk to us about that. Here I am. Okay, and so the second part of of the of the of what we're doing in Flourish is this: um, we are going to build new ministry space, and uh, we are going to finish the site plan on our West Campus. I don't know if you've noticed, all of the growth in our county is where West, and our church has us powerfully and uh, intricately and perfectly connected on our West Campus to the growth that's happening. And as we have uh, come along as a church and we've accepted other responsibilities and our campuses have grown and we've added different uh, components to the mission and vision across the years, um, we have had to divide our staff. Think with me about this. We have people who serve on our staff in a campus-specific role. In other words, all of their job description, their ministry assignment is around a particular campus. And then there are people who serve what we call in a central role, which means they have more of an over, oversight over all of the campuses and all of that work. All the people that uh, office and do their work on, a, on the central campus office out here in that building to my 
right and your left that is falling into the ground. And so we are going to um, finish our site plan out on our West Campus, and we are going to finish that assignment. Thirdly, if you're uh, following along, we've been talking about this, we are going to create a residency program because um, we believe God's hand is on our church. Do you believe God's hand is on our church? I believe God's hand is on our church. And we are in need all the time of finding the next generation of leaders who will serve the mission and the vision. And not just the mission and the vision about community of hope, but in a way, community of hope's unique mission and vision. And what is that? That we believe God has called us into existence to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and grow fully devoted followers. And um, here's the, the challenge. Um, it's hard to move into Palm Beach County, right? It's hard to move into Palm Beach County. Uh, we are right now navigating some staff uh, uh, interviews. Uh, Pastor Trevor and I were involved in that this week, and these are people outside of the county. And always a part of the question is, this is Palm Beach County, and Palm Beach County is expensive to live into, so we have to think about that. And I have a vision, I have a dream that we're going to attract younger folks for next generation leaders and we're going to train them in the community of hope way. That was your moment to say amen. Okay, and then lastly, um, here's what I want to say real quickly. Uh, We're going to establish and continue to work with what we're calling at this point Sanctification Network. Uh, I am a lifelong Wesleyan. Uh, My parents were Wesleyans. My grandmother on my mama's side was a Wesleyan. And so um, as a third generation or whatever that I lose count, uh, Wesleyan, we like accountability. Uh, I don't really have a desire when we let our our congregation out from our denomination just to be an independent church. I like accountability. I like building circles around us so that we have people that are giving the appropriate levels of oversight so that we don't run off the road and into a ditch. That's a place to say amen. Larry got it. Nobody else got it. So there's a really strong component around what we're doing that when we stepped out of our denominational structure, we're real quickly working to align around another structure. So once we have that done, here's the kind of thing I want to tell you about this vision. This is not a two-year vision. You would look at those four things and go, obviously, it's not a two-year vision. Here's what I want to tell you. That's more like a 10-year vision. This is a vision, most likely, that will run past the time of my service to you as your lead pastor. This vision is probably longer than I have. Beth will find somebody else who will finish the vision. (laughs) Okay? And so whenever we talk about these things, here's an important component that we have to talk about. We got to talk about money. We have to talk about money. And now here's what I know. Here's what I know. Whenever you talk about money, gets weird. Gets weird anyway, because money is one of the most emotional things that we ever talk about. And uh, money fights and money problems uh, lead the list among couples. Uh, uh, These are important conversations. We get tense about it. It can get emotional. It can get awkward. It could be weird. And I'm only talking about me. (laughs) 
Uh, my sense is you may feel that too. And if you don't, if you don't, if you're going, ah, he's overstating it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach around in the back. I want you to grab your wallet or reach down in your purse and do that and hand it to the person next to you. I thought that would be funnier. Okay. In fact, um, whenever we talk about money in church, whenever we talk about money in church, I usually think of it this way. There's some different categories, and this is, this is my assignment. This is my work, and watch this. It's my assignment and my work. Why? Because our church is unique in this regard. You heard Pastor Trevor a moment ago in the offering. We don't ever want to gig anybody for money. And we said, hey, listen, if you're here, you're a guest, you're new. How often do you hear us say that? This is not for you. This is for those of us who are committed. But for those of us who are committed to the church, how do we have an appropriate conversation about it? Today, we're going to have an appropriate conversation about it. Whenever I think about this, I think of their different categories. First of all, there are people, whenever we talk about money, they're encouraged. Now, why are they encouraged? Because they're just in. They just uh, have already settled the issue in their minds and hearts, if you will, that um, money is an important part of discipleship. And so they, they just get it. They, they just, these are the people that lean in. They, these are the people that already know uh, you don't um, own what you have. You're only a steward. I've probably done, I can't even count how many funerals. I've never followed a moving truck to the cemetery. Not one time. You die, you leave it. All right? And so, so I find often that there are people who encourage. Secondly, there's a category. I want to say this. It's really important to me, and this is a lot of effort on my part right here. People who are neutral about money. What do you mean by that, Pastor Dale? You might be in here and you're going, oh, well, this is really cool. A church is going to talk about this in a non-threatening way. There's no reason to be anxious, and, and you don't really have any opinion about this. And here's the thing I know. This is my, this is my work. You are going to form your opinion about money and church based on what you hear me say in these next 20 minutes. And so, so you know, I was telling you that Trevor yes, uh, earlier this morning, and he said, hey, Dale, just a reminder, when you get to that point, I said, yeah, bro. He said, don't screw it up, <laughs> okay? And then thirdly, I always know this. There are people in the room right now, you're listening or you're online or you're over there at Lake Worth, hi, I see you, and you're skeptical. Why are you skeptical? Well, you've been through this before, and <laughs> there you have it, and you've been burnt by it, and uh, maybe the church didn't do well, or you were pressured, and you're thinking any moment, here's the emotional thing in a minute, I'm going to get guilted in a minute, guess what? No, you're not, but... Um, there's emotion around this. And beyond this, why is there emotion? I want to sh share with you why there's emotion because Jesus said it very clearly in the Gospel of Matthew. He said it this way. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is important. This is really, really important. So what I want to do in my remaining time is I want to walk you exactly kind of curtain back. We're going to go behind the curtain. I'm going to show you exactly how we do money at Community of Hope and how you can get involved. I want to read a passage of scripture to you that I think really um, 
gets to the heart of what uh, we want to say. It happens in the Gospel of Mark. It's Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41. You may have heard this before. It's going to be new to some people. But we always stand here in honor of God's word. Would you stand with me real quick? Lake Worth Campus, stand up over there. Stand up and we're going to read God's word together. Here's the, it's called the widow's offering. So Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, truly I tell you, this poor widow, she has put more into the treasury than all the others. And they all gave out of their wealth, which is good. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And so here's what we want to say. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So I want, to, um, I want us to think about, just for a couple of moments, this passage of Scripture. Uh, if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to know real quick. This passage of scripture uh, is connected uh, within the context of what we would all call the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbors yourself. And so we have to see this story as the greater part of how God gets his work done through our financial gifts. Um, just as God cares about what we do with our time and our body and every aspect of our lives. Here's what I want you to know. We're gonna move into this in a non-anxious way. God has um, a design, an idea, if you will, of how you handle your money. And we need to understand that. Um, What I'm very moved by is that um, God brings a lot of attention through Jesus uh, to the woman who gave just two coins. And uh, it, it shows us in this moment that it's not so much about money uh, in terms of a percentage or this kind of idea, and we're going to learn more about it, as it has to do with the disposition of the heart. And God was honoring the greater concept, which is always a concept of generosity. Uh, we sing it. For God so loved the world that he created, he gave his one and only son. You and I have a God, and we worship a God who gives lavishly, freely, uh, without weird senses of distribution. Um, Here's what I want you to know. When we think about how a church does money, I want you to think, first of all, just in terms of budget. Think with me about budget. Like you have a budget in your home, we have a budget at our church. Normally a budget is reached by a church gives over a period of time, and then those who are leading and responsible for the money uh, begin to analyze that money that comes in, and over time they make a decision about how a church will live within a percent, you know, uh, live within the budget of the money that comes in. Uh, anytime that happens, here's what I want you to know. That budget 
99.999% of the time is how a church lives and does its work annually. There's nothing in the budget 99.999% of the time for anything beyond in terms of development, in terms of capital-related expenses, in terms of the extra initiative. It's just a budget. I remember the early days of our church uh, when just very little money was coming in. Uh, P. Diddy doesn't touch the money in our church. And so I would meet with a group of leaders. I remember a friend of mine uh, by the name of Pete Wellman, you may know him. We would uh, take, I remember at the end of a month, we would take uh, a whole month's giving that was in the bank and we would meet up at Denny's right up the road and we would take 10% of that and we would go, what are we going to do with 10% of this to, to bless and to give and to serve our people? And I can remember the very little amounts of money we were dealing with. And over, over the years, the church has grown. Right now, I think our budget, all in, everywhere, all the way, about four, just over $4 million. Okay, but, but all that does is just handle uh, the, 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 the budget for the year. Now, then... So uh, how does that money come in? This is what I want you to see how this comes in. Let's think of it this way. Uh, first of all, you have congregational givers, and you'll notice um, they're congregational givers. So those who are giving, that 60% of that budget comes in through congregational giving. Uh, then there are what I would call core givers. These are people a little more consistent. We're going to talk about this. Remember, I'm going to let you see everything that we're doing. And then lastly, we have high capacity givers. These, these are the people that honestly um, might have the gift of giving. These are people that give larger amounts of money. Uh, these are people that really move the needle when it comes to church. And we need, we need every, everybody uh, around this. So this is, this is how money is raised for the budget. Now, let's look at a very interesting dynamic that comes in. So when, it, when, we, when we come to congregational givers which was 60%, right? You notice that? 60% of our congregation gives, uh, or I'm sorry, let me, let me just say it this way. The high capacity givers, sorry, 60% of the budget is handled through high capacity giving. The core givers, 30%. The congregational givers, 10%. How does this look? Very interesting dynamic. Look at this. The congregational givers, okay, which is 60% of us, give only 10% of the budget. See that? The core givers, they give 30%. And the 10% in our church that are the high capacity givers, they're moving the needle. 60%. Fascinating, right? Now again, no judgment. We're just gonna, we're gonna just move into this space. I see lots of opportunity here when we start talking about an initiative uh, called Flourish. I, I, I see a lot of initiative here. here. Here's initiative. And one of the things we're thinking about in Flourish is everybody kind of doing their part. Um, there, there's a, th- this percentage in the congregation that gives 60%. There's a real tremendous opportunity for a high capacity givers to just significantly move the needle toward what, Pastor Dale? That 10 year vision we're talking about. Um, the 30%, 
that is just, these are, man, these are the rock solid faithful people that give all the time that are just, you know, they're just, they're, they're making it happen. But here's the thing. You want to really see how we move the needle? It's getting the 60% of us that only give 10% toward the budget to get into this game. If we, if we begin to think about this, this can be a difference maker for the future and the mission of our church. What's our mission? Interesting, disinterested people in Jesus and growing fully devoted followers. Now, part of what it means to be a fully devoted follower, moving along real quickly, Paul tells us, Paul tells us this. He's, look, watch what he says here. But since, here's, he's talking to the believers, he's talking to us. But since you excel in everything, right? You're learning to excel in your faith and in your speech and in your knowledge, in your earnestness. We might say in, in our conduct, in our love that, 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 that you have. He said, look at this. See to it that you also excel in the grace of giving. In other words, grow in the grace of giving. Amen? Amen. See how this works? No reason to be anxious. So, um, I get asked all the time, how do you do that? How do you do it? Well, I want to show you in these last few minutes before we have communion, I want to show you exactly how I've done it and how my wife has done it. So this is going to be really transparent and I think very helpful. No shame in the game, but let's learn. I think, first of all, here's what I call the, gener- the give- giving pathway. Sometimes it's just for people to give their first gift. One of the things we really celebrate in our church is when people move from that line that Pastor Trevor said, hey, if this is not you, if you're a new, if you're a guest, you know, um, just don't, don't, don't respond to this part. We're not, we're not after your money. We're gen- genuinely not. But there's something really powerful that happens when people go, you know what? I'm starting to feel like this is my church home. I'm starting to like it around here. I'm starting to feel like this is, this is kind of something that can go on. And, and, and at first, you, you might even give just a little bit because you like it. You don't want it to go away. I remember a guy a few years ago that he went out. I greet in the lobby. And this is literally what he said to me. He said, I want you to know. He said, I put an extra 20 in the offering this morning because you were funny. <laughs> and so in my head, I'm going, be funny every weekend. Be funny every week. I need to be funny every weekend. Okay. Um, we celebrate those, but here's the thing that when we give here, it's kind of emotional. Like if it's good, like if it's good, Keith's good, like Trevor's awesome. Oh man, I'm into it. It's emotional. Now that's awesome. Let's go up a level real quickly. Then it becomes regular. Now, when you get here, if you're taking notes, it's, it's not so emotional. It, it, it becomes and if it is emotion, it's not out of, um, you know, kind of a self-serving uh, way. Like, this is cool. I don't want it to go away. It becomes more gratitude. When you get to this level, I'm, I'm giving because God is actually good. He's actually kind. I'm growing in my relationship. Now, like, it starts to feel a little bit like, okay, now it's like a gratitude thing kicks in. Y- y- you following me? Let's go up. Want to go up a level? Let's go up a level. Then, then this is just what, what Dale and Beth did across the years. It went from regular, it started to be percentage. And here's, what, here's the big click 
right here for those of you that are interested. When you get here, it's not really emotional, it's obedience. Amen. Um, I'm not real emotional when I pay the FPL bill. (laughs) But I sure like cold air coming down in my house. This is probably that 30%, folks. And this is when people, this is what, what happens here. People start getting, it, it, it gets less emotional, gets more obedient. It starts, it makes it to the budget meeting. Hey, honey, how, how much are we going to give the Lord for all of his goodness to us this year? I mean, how are we going to do that? And you start getting regular. People, people start moving around with numbers. This is just what I did. I just would, I took several years when we started in ministry and had no money, we had no money. Did I tell you? We had no money. <laughs> and we said, we're going to, like what Simon and Denise were saying, we're just going to start moving the needle. And I would just do a percentage or two a year. I'd start out slow. Some people just jump right to 10%. That was kind of challenging when Simon said that. I was like, cool. I, I couldn't do that. I was super moved, though, when he said, you know, I decided to just keep driving that car without air. How many of y'all in the room went, I'm not worthy? <laughs> okay, right? Then real quickly, real quickly, let's go on. Then we get to a tithe. A tithe is 10%. Like, because if you keep doing this, you go, well, how much do I keep doing this? Like, where, where's the needle? Where do I go? We just get to a tithe, which means 10%. I want to show you an interesting verse in the, in the Bible about a, a tithe. It says, bring the whole tithe, bring all 10% into the storehouse so that there's food in the house. Test me. Now look at this. One of the only times in the entire Bible, in the entire Bible, where Jesus says, test, or God says, test me. And see if I'll not open the window at the floodgates of heaven. Pour out so much blessing, there won't be room enough to store it. Sounded a little like what Simon was saying. One other, one other thing, real quick. Go back to the giving. Spiritual vision. Tithe is not the only way spoken of in the Bible about money. There's a free will giving and there's offerings. Which, think with me about this. Let me just let this close the window for us. If a church basically lives within the budget of what comes in across a year, which is what you do in your home, if we're ever going to move the needle in development as our community grows and we say we want to reach it, and, and I want you to hear from my heart, I'm not chasing. Your pastor has never chased a vision about big. I, let me just tell you why no, I don't. That will destroy and crush my soul. I'm not doing that. And if you know me, you know that. And the people that I've surrounded myself with, leaders in this room, they're not doing that. But we are chasing like our pants are on fire. Interesting, disinterested people and growing together. And so churches have to do initiatives that move the needle. And how do we do that? Our high capacity givers practice the gift of generous giving. 
our, our middle section starts to have conversations in the house. You know, we've been kind of given this percentage. What if we worked this percentage in? What if we got on a track? And here's the thing. The 60% of a church that only gives 10%, they go, today, I'm getting in the vision. And when we do that, let me, let, let, I want you to hear from me. We will get where we need to get. Amen. Amen. When you leave this morning, I want to give just a real quick assignment around what we're doing. When you leave this morning, you're going to get a card. Uh, we're going to invite everybody to think prayerfully around how we, we move the needle about this 10-year vision that's in front of our church. No pressure, right? But I want you to think about what I've shared. I want to show you some important dates. Uh, the card, we're going to begin open season to bring the card on November 19th. This is what you have worked on. For those of you that are online, we have a digital format that you can connect with. And also online, Pastor Trevor has put a little tutorial together to show you how to think about this card. Done very well. I want you to think about that. Uh, on the 17th of December, we're going to tell, we're going to give you the total of where we are as a church. And remember that 12 million total already includes our two-year budget, which is about 8486. So if nothing changes, we're already there. Does that make sense? And then on our first fruits offering, many of y'all know real quick that we give an offering at Christmas Eve. We've been doing that for years. We're gonna ask you to make that be your first big gift toward flourish that weekend. We're, we're transitioning that offering to that space. And uh, this is gonna be a great moment for our church. So we want you to see that when you, when you leave, receive the card, we're going to be in a season of prayer about this. We're going to be having what we're calling a flourish fast that will help us begin to think spiritually about this. I think God's about to do something really cool in our church, don't you? Don't you? Yeah, okay, great. All right, let's pray. Lord, um, we, just, we just give you all of our lives. Uh, you know as a church, we, we don't talk about money a lot, almost hardly ever. And so today I pray that you would use what we're talking about as, as just a super helpful tool for all of us to see behind the curtain at least how one church gets this work done. Lead us, Lord, that we might excel in our speech, our conduct, our love, our behavior, and also our giving. For we pray in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Go in God's grace and blessing. See you next weekend.